But if you are serious about YouTube, you're gonna do research, you're gonna invest time, you're gonna build up the skills that you need in order to do that. You're gonna get the understanding, you're gonna talk to people, maybe even hire people, you know? You need to treat it like you would start up a real company. Alrighty, welcome back to Creator Generation. This week we are joined by Mario Juice. Mario. Hello, guys. I'm going to call you a YouTube analytics master guru legend. That I like that title, you know. <laughs> like if, if it adds sir at the beginning, I would, I, that, that's like the next step, but we're not there yet, I think. <laughs> I'll, I'll shoot a message to the queen and we'll, we'll have a chat yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, Mario, like that's how I introduce you, but like do you have a way of contextualizing who you are and what you do? I, uh, I find it very difficult to say what I do, but to, to make it very simple is I try to come up with new theories. I try to analyze data on YouTubers and figure out how YouTube, the, the, the more successful YouTubers, how they can push their uh, content to the next level. Because it's, it's easy enough to start a YouTube channel and to just be like, oh, you know, you need to upload consistently. But once you're like, at, like I would say once you're at 100,000 subs or beyond already, that it becomes more complicated. It's not a, a simple trick or anything. And I try to focus on developing tactics for all the bigger YouTubers from that size um, to move forward their industry, you know. So there is at least somebody with some answers. Uh, it's, it's difficult enough as it is. So. And when we started this, you said we can throw any question at, at you and let's see if we can get you a, a question that you can't answer. That's the thing. I sometimes work with YouTubers and most of the times there is an answer ready, but like I cannot sleep. If you ask me a question that I cannot solve, I cannot sleep. I need to solve it that day. Like it's, it's just, uh, it, uh, you know, I, I love it when people throw the questions that are difficult. I'll, I'll leave the really sticky technical questions to Fred, but my, the question I know you can't answer straight up probably is who do you work for? Ah, <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, you got me. You got me there. Uh, nah. <laughs> well, that that's it. Nah. Um, I, I I do in general. I do stay kind of secretive. You know, kind of mysterious about who I work with. I used to work. Uh, that that is kind of public. Because I used to work for a guy called Quabble Cup. That's how I got my entry point into the scene. And then I met uh, some really amazing people. Some industry toppers because I, I had this motivation, like, I want to be the best at this. So the guy I was working for, Quebecup, he was like, you want to be the best, I'll introduce you to the best. And then you're instantly faced like, oh, wow, okay, this is how much people already know about YouTube. Um, and you learn from them and eventually, you know, uh, eventually you start going your own way and your own focus points, you know, while the guy that you learn for, from might be focused on uh, what sells good, what's a good video idea, you're going to go your own path. And that's how I started focusing more on audience retention, for example. That's, that's, I would say that's my shtick within the YouTube uh, sphere, to be honest. Yeah, and that's generally with creators with 10 million subs plus, right? That's kind of, yeah. that's your... That's, that, that's, that's my, my tar like, that's where I feel the happiest. That's like my, my target, like, okay, this is where I can really dive deep because it, it becomes very complicated there. It's not, they, they know <laughs> what they're doing. That's why they made it to 10 million plus. And to find, it's... Most of my day is behind finding where it goes wrong, which is not always that obvious. So, mm. so this is peak YouTube we're talking here. So, um, if you yeah. weren't listening up, now's the time to be listening up. So, uh, your backstory though, the genesis of getting to this place is pretty bloody interesting because um, you started off as a gamer. Like, if people are watching on YouTube, you still kind of got a bit of a 
gaming setup yeah. looking. Yeah, there, there are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I can never go away from a gaming chair. For example, you know, game like I, I, you know, it makes me feel at home. But no, if 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 you do a little bit of like background check, you can see that I did some PUBG. That's where I really shined. Um, and then after, like that's where I built a little bit of a career combined with Twitch streaming. And then I don't know. I, I must say, back in the days, I had no idea what I was doing. To be honest. Um, <laughs> that's just being honest. Um, but you know, I, like I, at some point I, I, to be honest, the swap really happened that I started looking for a real job and I got into influence marketing because that seemed like a more natural transition. And I wanted to do that because I, I one day want to become a dad and stuff and like a family man and gaming streaming, to be honest, it's a, it's a stressful life. And also it doesn't give you as much free time as you wish you, you could have. So uh, that's when I kind of made a transition into this, yeah, this this influencer marketing thing. And then from influencer marketing, I had the opportunity to suddenly work in analytics because I thought it was really cool. And uh, yeah, here we are like a little bit later, just just doing that now. So it's a big, big transition between the two. How do you transition from, you know, being a gamer to then being an analytics expert? So what I did, <laughs> well, it is a weird transition. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I also, I didn't know how to program or even, even my spreadsheets. I, I, I had no, I never started even a spreadsheet. Um, but what I did is in, um, when I was playing PUBG, I wasn't the best shot or anything for those who don't know who what PUBG is. It's, it's like a shooting game. Right. Um, and I wasn't a good shot or anything like that, but I was, I had a really good brain, uh, and I come up with tactics and I try to innovate the, you know, the metas and stuff, the, 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 the way that people play the game. And that skill, to be honest, is easy to translate into something like YouTube because now literally what I have to find out is, okay, what's the next move? So it's a natural transitioning skill. And I think that's, that's to be honest, I'm, I'm probably not the only one because a few of my friends as well who were pro gamers, they're now pretty successful in business because it is not an easy industry to make it to the top. So there are skills that directly translate from gaming into whatever you want to do afterwards, uh, as long as you're passionate about it and just put enough time into it. That's a good one for for the kids out there who are smashing the <laughs> Xbox or the PC. They're like, you're no, fine. no, I'm building skills. I'm building skills. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. You'll be the next <laughs> Apple or Android. <laughs> so what, what I'm wondering is like, what do the, the big creators um, do that a lot of little creators don't do? What do you, what do you notice? Like, you know, you say you work at the top and it's, you know, you yeah. can get more uh, value at the top. But what are they doing that, you know, smaller creators aren't doing? I think there's two main focuses where they focus on is like they 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 really treat it like a business. It's you know uh, the fact that a lot of these creators hire somebody like me, for example, because I'm not the only one out there who does what I do. Um, like the fact that they hire somebody like me, an analyst, to just look at your data and give you suggestions based on that, that shows that they're treating it like a business. And then somebody like me comes in and it's like, okay, you know what? You were passionate about this video. You spent your whole week on this. And these are the 10 things that are wrong with it. And these are the 10 big lessons. And instead of going against like, ah, maybe, no, the next video, you see everything that you tell them, they implement it, they change it. And they don't, they like, if I tell them, like, I, I say this a lot, like nobody cares about your personal story. You know, yes, there are some exceptions, you know, it's a very rough statement, but <laughs> the statement, it, there's a lot of truth to the statement, you know, you can easily go against the statement, but the idea is that on YouTube, when people don't know who you are, initially, they don't really care about you as a person. And most of the times with videos, we try to cater to an audience that, that is new, that doesn't know who you are. So what is in, 
for that audience, the only thing they care about is the actual content of the video. So if if you're making let's let's make it crazy. If you're talking about the newest Apple MacBook or whatever, and suddenly you start talking about what you had for dinner, to be very harsh, nobody cares at all. So <laughs> cut that stuff out. And then you know, I would say that with the smaller creators, they would be like, yeah, but you know, I need to show some personality. They they love that. The big creator is just like, yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, just got it out. And then you look at the videos and the quality definitely changes in that sense. So uh, they take the le- like they take it as a business. They take the lessons instantly. They they don't sit around waiting. And other than that, they're extremely analytical with all of the data that they're given. And they're just like, okay, you know what? We'll just follow the numbers. We'll do what the numbers say. And then they put the time and effort into it. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, it's not that complicated, but it's like, if, 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 if I ask you like, Hey, you come to me and you're like, ah, I want to start a coffee, coffee company. You're not going to just start like casually. Right. You know, like if you want to do that as a hobby, that's fine. Don't, don't worry about business side. But if you are serious about YouTube, then just like in real company, you're going to do research. You're going to invest time. You're going to build up the skills that you need in order to do that. You're going to get the understanding. You're going to talk to people, maybe even hire people, you know, yes, it might be complicated financially wise. Um, so for newer YouTubers, obviously hiring is not on the table, but, um, you know, it's, it's like, you need to treat it like you would start up a real company. If a real company started, you're not going to start from zero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny you say that because, um, one of the, the things I guess we also sometimes battle with is a creators, um, you know, when we're helping them and giving them advice, um, often you can see that, you know, I, we know the advice is going to work, but the problem is you sometimes feel like they're not going to implement it for a variety of reasons. Sometimes, you know, they don't feel it's right or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, sometimes it's too hard to implement or there are other things in the way. Um, whereas we find the, the bigger the creator we work with, the more, like, I, we agree, it's more, they're more analytical, they're more look at the advice, okay, how does it fit into, the, you know, my, my workflow? Okay, let's put this into place like, like so. Um, and they see success, whereas, you know, there, there is that balance because obviously a lot of people have got success initially because of a feel, um, a gut feel or a, or a, a natural mm. connection with the audience. Um, and then there's a point you've got to use that, but then also start looking at other advice and analytics, isn't there? Yeah. No, that's the thing. It's like one of the clients that I work for, he, um, he's like a Minecraft YouTuber and, um, he does storytelling, like very kids, kid friendly storytelling. And the, the, like he has these characters, right. That he just integrates and and compared like this kind of like SpongeBob and you know, where you have characters and you learn to love them. And he does this through Minecraft and GTA five. And the thing is like, is at first, yes, he had a certain extent to what he reached about a hundred to 200 K views per video, which is not bad if you upload daily, you know, it's a, it's a decent amount. But then I came in and, you know, we became friends. We began, we started talking. That's how I eventually started working with him. And, uh, I told him like, you know, there's an underlying issue here that we have. And I was like, okay, you know what? We need to step away from being too niche focused on these characters. And that was his passion. That's his vision. I'm like, you know, it's like your personality. You can still add that to it afterwards, but you need to stick true to what the audience expects. What is the reality? So I told him like, you know, like these, like, for example, in his intro, he would spend a a minute, you know, building up this specific type of scene. And I'm like, you know, we can get the, we can do the intro. And then this specific type of scene, if we just move that towards the middle of the video, that's going to change drastically. And obviously this is a super channel specific advice piece, but just 
understanding the flow of your video and changing it to what the audience wants and then adding your tint of personality on it will change massively. And that's the thing, you know, your, your, um, you know, your personality, your, your jokes are like paint on a car. You better have the car first be able to drive before you put the paint job on it because else nobody's going to see the paint job. And that's the, that's the same way with a personality. You know, if you, if you don't get the views, you can have the best personality in the world. Nobody will care. But if you, you know, if you have great content, everybody will care about you suddenly. That's right. It's, it's funny you say that because um, people think, oh, you know, it's all about personality. YouTube is a personal platform. These platforms are very personal and people want to connect with the creators. So they think, oh, I've got to do like these intros and put a lot of information in. But what you said is, is, is so correct in many ways because don't assume that someone has watched, you know, hasn't watched a video. They need to understand that, right? A lot of yeah. people will come in and for the first time will just be purely interested in the content. And then over time, they'll develop a bond and, and they'll see that in the personality you gradually bring through all your videos rather than you painting a picture in every video about where you've come <laughs> from and who you are, right? So that's funny because it seems counterintuitive because of, of the, the platforms being so personal and connecting so personally. But um, so many times people just want to first see the content, get engaged, and then, you know, form that relationship with you, you know? Yeah. No, it's the same if you, if you, if you really think about it, right? It's, it's, it's almost like dating, right? It, like, <laughs> they need to bring something, like, you know, they, they need to bring something amazing at the table, and you only learn to love them after, after a few months. That's when those love feelings come, and that's the same way. You don't fall in love with somebody from the first video. You know, like some mm. people, I'm not gonna lie, there are some, some exceptions, like Tom Scott, for example, right? If I watch him, you know, first video, I was in love, but you know, love <laughs> at first sight isn't a thing always with content. So we have to, we have to take that into consideration. So, and as well, that's the same thing as well. If you focus on the content, if you focus on the concepts, what it is that it's hard to get bored of somebody that brings new concepts to the table, you know? It's like, it's, Again, like a relationship, right? If you never go out on a date, never go climbing, never go for a walk or something, if there's no content, you're gonna, your love is going to disappear, you know, because you get bored of that stuff. So keep it excited for your own audience by focusing on the concepts because they'll keep coming back for those. But if you expect people to keep coming back for your personality, it's not going to happen. We're talking about these big creators and how they're different and, and how they approach things. But what's also different about the teams they have, right? Obviously, a lot of creators who are emerging, you know, it's just them doing it themselves. But as you get bigger, you know, you get more help and your workflow gets more um, streamlined. But what does a, a bigger creator's team look like compared to a smaller creator? So I, most smaller creators, they work with agencies, like a lot for like their sponsorships and stuff. And uh, so typically what has happened is that uh, they start with editors. Editors is the the first step you should take. To be honest, that like channel manager makes no sense if you don't have editors. Uh, from editors, they start going towards uh, a channel manager. That would be the first big hire that they do, uh, and that's when you also step away from an agency if you're with an agency. You know there are still possibilities to work with agencies, but from my experience so far, unless you are the biggest creator, like. Like, like you need to be the biggest creator of that agency or else all the focus isn't going towards you. So you're better off just having a channel manager whose day-to-day -day is literally, hey, it's just about your channel. And most of the times it starts up that the channel manager, you know, he starts helping with the ideas, with the scripts, with all that stuff. Uh, and that's how this small team starts. It's about two editors and a channel manager. That's a beginning team. And then from there on, I would say, most of the times that's when uh, when somebody starts making like 20,000 plus in a month, it's, you know, that, that's where people start thinking about it already. Um, 
you know, so some people already start there to expand from that point, and some people wait a little longer because you can 20, afford it. 20,000 plus what, sorry? Uh, dollars, Just dollars. Dollars, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So American dollars. No, but that's when they start. So when they start making that amount of money per month consistently, that's when they think, okay, maybe I can expand my team beyond an editor and a channel manager. Um, so then I've seen some teams, they go for thumbnail designers because they cannot do it uh, because it takes their time. Uh, recently, it's been a big thing to hire idea guys, but that's really for the top creators. Like once you, once you make like a lot of money and stuff and you just want to cruise it out, uh, and you have daily content, you just hire somebody to come up with ideas. Um, and then also creative director. That's a, that's a very complicated one, but that's one that uh, one of my clients is looking into that one specifically. So it really depends on your content, of course, but I think creative director, there's so much job opportunity within YouTube because there's very little amount of creative directors. Um, but you know, that's still, it's, it's super, super important. So I see in the future, I see a lot more creative directors come about. Uh, most of the times these are YouTubers themselves. So if a YouTuber struggles to earn money at the lower side, they can just become a creative director, learn from a big YouTuber and then slowly transition to their own content again in the long run. Uh, but those are like, I think those are the most natural expansions that you can do in terms of teammates. Um, of obviously you can improve your editing team and stuff. And then like at some degree you could hire an analyst, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, and I, I think uh, in private, we've, I've even said this, that most of the times a public consultant or a consultant is most of the times not really worth it. If you have somebody specifically focused on analytics, then maybe, but I would say for most people, it's not worth it to hire an analyst yet. And it's better to get that understanding yourself. Now, if you have the financial means to just hire somebody for a long period of time, then I would say, yes, you could hire an analyst. Uh, you know, my clients do that. Um, but again, it is one of those things where just, I'm going to say this, if you invest money or time, no matter how famous these analysts sometimes may be of these consultants, one hour of their time is not going to change your YouTube journey. So you're better off. Like if you can find somebody that you work with for like three months or more or something like that, um, that, that could change your stuff. But then you also need to make sure that's really somebody that is passionate about your project and not there to just give you typical advice, like how to do your tags, you know, because if somebody looks into your tags, most likely it's not really the advice that your channel really needs. That's really good. I think, um, that insight, like there'd be a lot of things you've just casually dropped there about how people are structuring teams that a lot of people wouldn't have a clue that, mm. um, like we've had one channel creative director on, on the podcast before Nick Barberi, who's. Um, until recently, it was with TBNR, which is like Preston, like Preston and and Brianna. Um, yeah, you know, like they're mega channel, right? Like or channels. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting that you know that's uh, just lifting you know lifting that curtain back is pretty interesting. You're casually dropping this, and I think it's new knowledge for a lot of people that this this is going this is what's going on. And that's also the thing is like funny enough the the you know like a Minecraft channel right where they just sit back and it looks like one guy just yelling in the mic. Without you knowing, there's a chance that behind, like behind the camera, there's like three people standing there, you know, watching. Like, okay, you know, this this goes too slow. Let's let's move this faster. Or, okay, you need to go to this location right now. And the art in YouTube is to make it seem authentic, to make it seem real. But it's you know, as long as the viewer feels it's real, as long as they feel like it's authentic, that's all that really matters. Whether that you did it for real or something. Like, obviously, I when you do a challenger, when you give away money, that has to be real. You know, the last thing you want is that people find out that you're faking your stuff. 
and there's there's a lot of faking out there, uh, unfortunately. But you know, you want to be real about the stuff. But most of the times, just just to make sure that there's content available, preparing what you're going to do, having a guy be like, "Hey, you're talking too much about yourself. Move on to the next segment." I mean, that's a that's a great thing to do. That speeds up your videos, makes your videos better, and for the audience, they're less likely to get bored. So, you know, again, you. If you want to go from 100 to 200k per video to a million views per video, it's a big step and you can only get that by getting a true understanding. And sometimes you cannot do it with your intuition. So hire people who have expertise with that. Just get them on board, you know, like maybe, yeah, maybe that will be an investment and it costs you money. But if you double your revenue, you're, you're making profit by hiring people. Plus your life gets easier. And if you say at the end of the day, I want to go to my wife or... I just want to play some games with my friends or whatever you want to do. Like you have time for that suddenly. You don't have to grind on every little thing, especially editing. Cause I know most YouTubers like I'm still waiting for the day that somebody's like, yeah, I love editing. Like <laughs> I barely meet anybody that loves editing. So, so getting a little bit more technical now, because I think people want to understand a little bit more um, about it. Like you said, you know, at the, at the high end, there's they can get a lot of, um, benefit for big creators to look at their analytics. But what do you recommend that every creator looks at in terms of their analytics? What's the important ones to look at? To be honest, the thing is like this. There's, uh, I'm, like, I'll say there's three steps of analytics, by the way. There's when you don't know much about analytics, you just look at your views. Then you get into analytics to get an understanding. Then you look at everything, uh, which I'll cover in a second. And then once you're at like a more deeper level, I just look at the views, <laughs> you know, I, I must say, I look at the views and the audience retention chart because that is, that is really the two only things that really matter in the end. And I'll explain why. So I'll first say the, the second part, right? Which are the analytics that you want to get an understanding of, you know, you don't want to look at it every single day, but you want to get an understanding of, and that's on your dashboard, right? You got the CTR and, and average view percentage and stuff, but I'm going to say this right now and I'll say it every single day. They don't mean anything. You know, they mean something for the, the 100 sub 100 viewer creator, but for a big creator, there's almost nothing you can learn from that, except for, hey, your video is absolutely great or absolutely trash. But most videos aren't absolutely great or absolutely trash. Most videos are in between. So then it's going to be important to understand where does your traffic come from and how does your, aud your own audience and a new audience engage with your videos. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to your advanced analytics and you're going to look at the traffic sources. And you know, for some channels, they might still have a large amount of traffic from search. But you know, for the for for to explain this, I'm mainly going to focus on the browse and the suggested traffic source because search is something you can use to grow your channel. But if you want to grow it huge, you have to go way beyond search. So therefore, I'm gonna not focus on that too much. You can get 10k, 20k views, but a million views from search every single time. It's good. You need to be damn good at what you do. Um, so mainly, mainly it will come from browse and suggested. So browse is pretty much the, the easy way to look at this one, right? And you could go more specific. If you go into analytics, you could also go to home to go more specific. But so the difference between browse and suggested is that browse is your own audience. This is who know you, who have interacted with your own content before, you know, it's the subscribers, it's the home feed, you know, and home feed, um, like it could be because you're related to somebody or anything and that's why you get suggested, but most likely just somebody watched your video before. So now YouTube is like, Hey, watch more of this guy. 
And it's more like an entry point thing because you see the home feed, you see it when you start YouTube, you're like, okay, let me go to my home. Let me see which videos I want to watch. So that's a new audience. And that's like mostly entry point videos. So knowing this, you have to go with this mindset and look at the CTR, the browse CTR, the browse average view percentage and be like, okay, if somebody comes on YouTube, they watch this video, how long do they watch? Or how likely are they to click on this video? And then you're going to be like, hey, you know, somebody opens up their app on their phone and doesn't even click on my video. What's going wrong here? My own audience doesn't even seem to be clicking. So you could let, check it video by video base, or you could check your channel wide to see like, okay, is this a trend that has been going on for days now? You know, am I lacking in community building? Where am I lacking? But you want to understand these numbers very much. Then the next step is also you look at the suggested. You're like, okay, suggested only happens really when somebody's watching a video and now decided to watch something more. So it's how you manage to either maintain your own audience to continue watching on YouTube or to attract a new audience. It's most of the times it's like a 50-50, you know, because if we look at it, uh, we can still see that a huge chunk of them are subscribers or are people who watch your content regularly. But that's when you have to be like, okay, you know what? Now we can look at this CTR or this average view percentage and see, okay, how does it behave? So we understand that type of audience. And sometimes we might be like, I, I have a channel that I analyze on a regular basis that is purely browse and they fail to hit suggested. But the reason why is their video topics, for example, would be something like, you know, um, let's call it television, television. That would be like a title, you know? And it's like, nobody knew is going to be like, I have to watch television, television. I can't sleep without television, television. <laughs> so, and it, as dumb as it sounds, this is literally when we look at suggested, when we look at video titles, I'm like, this is so dumb. This makes no sense. So if you, if you look at, for example, let's, let's take the example of like a Mr. Beast, right? And if he uploads a video of, uh, I got buried alive, you know, for 50 hours. I mean, you know, you see that title, you're like, I have to watch this. Now compare that video next to a television television. I mean, it's very easy which one is going to get your click. And that's how you have to treat your content and be realistic and be like, is this something that somebody who doesn't care about me, are they still interested in this? You know, and maybe your own audience is still going to click on it. And especially if you grow, you'll definitely have that because they know they're going to get a great viewing experience, but new viewer, they're only going to get intrigued when they hear something interesting, you know? Uh, you're not going to watch a movie if you don't even know what the, what it's about or, or, you know, if you're into horror movies and suddenly you get like a romantic drama, you're not going to watch it, you know? So that's, that's pretty much what it comes down to. And then, so that's, that's about those traffic sources. And then, uh, an interesting thing is that you can start comparing those, you know, you can start comparing like, okay, this video, it seems like everybody from suggested watched this for a very long time, but everybody from my own audience, they watched three minutes less. What is wrong here? Where did I go wrong? Did I alienate my own audience? So you try to get this understanding, right? Now, this is the part where, like I said, at first you look at the views, then you go to this analytical stage where you start understanding this. And then once you get to the, to the stage where you understand all this, that's when you realize like most of that doesn't matter. Now, <laughs> it is very important to still understand that, but why am I saying most of it doesn't matter is because when you get this understanding already, um, the problem is when suggested, for example, that CTR is also dependent on the amount of views that you get. If you suddenly get 5 million views, you're, you could have like a 3% CTR and then you get a video with like 10% CTR, but that only has 200K views. So 
it is very important to understand because then you can, by understanding both of those things, you can still see if this video relatively performed better or worse than usual because you look at this number and you realize like, hey, even for 5 million views, the CTR is still high and you could still be like, okay, for 200k views, this CTR is very like very low, for example. So you could start start understanding those numbers better. And that's how you get that true understanding. And then in the end, you realize that, you know, so even average view percentage, you know, you hear I have creators that have 70 to 80%, but they hit 200k views. And then I got a creator who makes like 5 million views in a video and he gets like 35%. So what at that point matters is that number doesn't even say anything. So you start realizing that the exact number doesn't mean anything at all. So that's why I, for me, it's views and the audience retention chart, because when you see a dip, it doesn't matter whether that dip starts at 70% and it goes down to 50 or whether it starts at 50 and it goes down to 30. The fact that there's a dip makes you understand this is where my audience is getting bored. And so that's like the going for like, this is like, I, I went a little deep, I think already. Um, but that's where you go from like, oh, I don't know anything about analytics to, oh, I'm going down the rabbit hole of analytics to, okay, now let me push myself back and see, okay, which of these numbers am I really going to start taking in and start analyzing and start understanding and create an understanding based on which type of numbers, which, how they behave. And to really like, you know, again, I'm making it sound easy, but I'm, I'm a numbers guy. If, if you put me in front of 10,000 numbers, my head is like, oh, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern there. Let's do this. Let's do that. Like it plays around with, with numbers. Like, like it's, it's a toy, you know, I, I love it. It's, it's something I'm passionate about, but that's pretty much, uh, if you are passionate about it and if you want to grow, you can either do this yourself. And if you're an analytical guy, or you really like this kind of stuff, you're a business guy, this is the way to go forward. If you're not, and you're like, oh, this is too much. I don't want that. that that's literally when you just hire somebody to do that because, you know, it's, yeah, that's, that's what you do. But this is to give a really good understanding about how to go about your analytics. But I do say, if you, if you, you cannot get to the part where you understand why the analytics don't mean any, like why they don't mean that much or like how to not focus on too much if you don't understand them. So my first advice is make sure you really dig down on understanding those browse suggestions and all that stuff before you go into, okay, I'm just going to look at views and audience retention chart. Because again, I also, with the audience retention chart, I have to realize, okay, where does my audience come from? You know, does this behave this way because the audience comes from browser? Does this chart behave this way because it comes from suggested? Because charts behave differently as well. So yeah, there you go. I think it's tricky because... A lot of a lot of creators ask these questions, um, wanting a definitive answer. What's a good click through rate? What's a good yeah. average view duration? What like what should I aim for? What's the answer specifically for everything? Um, and unfortunately, it's it's not right. It, it, it like is I guess what you're saying is it depends on the context, right? Like a three percent click through rate when it's getting served really really widely and getting lots and lots of views of course the click-through rate is going to drop because it's getting in front of way more people whereas a really high click-through rate that serves to the very 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 exact relevant audience of course it's going to be high but is that as good and there's this context and layers so that's why that understanding piece is so important i guess is where you, is what you're saying right like the creator individual creator or the team for the creator needs to understand the context of that data Rather right. than, um, hey, I've got a ten percent click through rate. Is that a, is that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's also mm. I don't know if you guys remember this. In I think it was around September, November uh, in two thousand twenty, that 
um, so last year, that suddenly everybody gets like 20, 30% CTR. And Twitter was full. Like, everyone's like, yes, my videos are so great. And I'm like, I'm not sure about this. Like, this could also just be a bug in the YouTube system. And the fact that, like, out of nowhere, boom, everybody's was like half the CTR, you know, I would assume there was probably just something on YouTube's end that they were just experimenting with or something. But it, it, it makes no sense that out of nowhere, you're going to get double the amount of few people watching you. Um, so that was a, the weird thing. And like you said as well, I, I agree. It's, it is... It is just interpreting it and understanding. And when people come with me with the question, I get frustrated because, well, frustrated in a nice way. Uh, but it's like, don't come with me to the question, what's a good CTR? Come with me to the question, what's a good browse CTR? What's a good suggested CTR? What's a good search CTR? Because those I can easily answer. You know, if you have an 8% browse CTR, that's pretty decent overall, you know, overall. Um, Suggest so is a little bit more tricky because you're dependent on new viewers. But, you know, if, if you want to find consistency in your CTRs, look to browse CTR because that's where, you know, if you have 10% browse CTR, even if your video scored extremely well, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very constant with, it's your own audience. So it stays constant. It's not dependent on who it gets served to because it's already your audience or people who are interested in you. So that number is the only number that really, I would say, really serves a true indication of, hey, you know what? This is going better than usual or not. If you have a 5% browse CTR, you know it's trash. If you have a 10%, you know it's probably good. And so there, there's a little bit of numbers. We can give a few numbers, but, you know, again, you have to ask where what's the browse CTR. Not The total CTR doesn't mean anything. The total average few percentage, you know, I think I've mentioned that to you guys as well, where uh, I have something called the normalized average few percentage. Because average view percentage also depends on the length of your video. You know, if you suddenly make a 20 minute video, that average view percentage is going to go down. You're not going to hit those 70% anymore. And likewise, if you, if you get 30% on a two minute video, that's horrible, you know? Mm. So that's also like, there's a lot to be taken into consideration, but again, it's a complex network. It's a complex understanding. It's not easy. It is rocket science almost. <laughs> Look, you talk, you talk about retention and, and obviously uh, people watching more of the videos. Um, you know, YouTube has said they're looking more towards this element of satisfaction, viewer satisfaction, yep. and trying to measure that, right? You need, it used to be about views and then it became a watch time and now it's something more it's deeper. It's about that satisfaction element, which is, you know, one further step in terms of complexity because it's really hard to measure satisfaction. You kind of say, hey, these are the factors that go into satisfaction. There are, it's very nuanced in many ways. But if you could describe some of the key factors around satisfaction, what would they be? It is whether, like, so actually, I think it's a more fancier term for them to give people an understanding about what they were always already doing. Because in the end, we all know it's about watch time. But people say, oh, watch time, it's about watch time in a video, you know? But what YouTube is now trying to say, or this is what I'm getting from it at least, and I think that's, I'm quite confident that's what they're trying to say is that, you know, that when somebody watches three of your videos in a week, that's a lot better than when somebody watches your video and then it's like, oh, I'm out, you know, or I'll watch another YouTuber, you know. So if you, like, YouTube also knows if, if somebody likes you, that's the most likely person, somebody who's previously interacted with your content and liked your content or was satisfied by watching a long time, they're the most likely to keep on watching your videos. So if your videos are so good, 
you know, it's going to keep them on the platform. So how many more videos that they watch after your video, you know, cause if you start, if, if I'm laying in the bed and I start a YouTube video and I'm not satisfied, am I going to spend two hours on YouTube? Most likely not. But if that first video got my mind so twisted that I go down this rabbit hole that most people do like conspiracy theories, you know, you start with a video about how to fix my microwave two days later, like no, two hours later, you're talking about how does, does milk get created? Two hours later, again, you're, you're learning about piano suddenly, you know, like you're learning about all these things. And <laughs> if your video was the trigger to make that happen, I mean, that is that satisfaction because you managed to get, keep them on YouTube. And at first there was some discussion where people are like, yeah, but you know, it's about likes, you need to get more likes and stuff, but that doesn't really make sense. It's just, I think that's more like a, that's not really a correlation. It's not like you get more likes, therefore you get served more. It's just a like is more like an indication. Like, Hey, I like this video. You know, you're not going to like a video if you don't like it. And, or unless that the creator is like, yeah, make sure to like for to win thousand bucks or something, which I don't advise to do. Um, but <laughs> you know, like a like is just an indication like people are satisfied with this video and therefore, you know, that that's great to do. Uh, but if we really look at the big creators, most of them have 98% like ratio, for example, like to dislike ratio. So how much does that even me, uh, mean? Um, so yeah, no, I, I think it's just it, the way that I interpret it is just how long does it keep people on YouTube? How long do they keep watching? Um, a good bias to look into, for example, I, I love biases, by the way, like, you know, we all know confirmation bias, but one of the, one of the cool ones, is the peak end rule. Um, which pretty much means that if you, if you end your video on a high, you know, on a dopamine high, then people are like, yes, I'm excited. You know, that's probably going to have them watch more videos because they're in that high They, You just took away their, it's like a cliffhanger, you know, like if you could watch the next episode, you'll watch it instantly. Uh, but if you make a video and then you have an outro of five minutes where you talk about your personal life, you like, you manage to calm down the viewers. So most likely they're they're going to stay less long, like not as long on YouTube. They're not going to, they're like, okay, I'm satisfied. Now I can go to bed. <laughs> you want to leave the viewer unsatisfied and wanting more. And I think that's, uh, that's actually what sa satisfaction comes down to are is to leave them unsatisfied. So they want more. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that's my interpretation. And I think it aligns with everything that YouTube has been saying so far. So, so, I mean, I think people overthink like, algorithmically what YouTube wants, right? They, they go into the nuances and, and like we often say, they, they tend to focus on things like um, optimization because it's easy to point to it and say, you know, make a better thumbnail, make a better title, um, and then they'll feel like they're doing that, but the algorithm's against them. But when it comes down to it, it, it really is about these core elements of like, you know, get, make good content that people want to watch, keep them watching, and then make them watch something else on your channel. And that by itself is just a good indicator, right? They're on your channel, they're watching something, they enjoy it, they stay and watch something else. And that in, in its basic form is, is key, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like even uh, I sometimes also go down this rabbit hole where I find this stat and I'm like, oh, there's this conspiracy theory. Like I found the algorithm, right? And that was actually funny enough when I got into this algorithm because I got actually hired and I knew almost nothing about it. And, but the creator just believed that I could figure it out. Right. And I figured out some things I, I figured out an understanding, but at first I was like, yeah, I'm going to be the first to discover the algorithm. I'm going to be the one who understands it completely all the little tricks and stuff. And then now I'm like, there are no little tricks. 
you know like yeah you you could you could do this little little small trick and get like five views more or 10 views or 10,000 views even if you're if you're if you really figure it out but what it really like then and i remember this this is the best thing that you said to me mario stop focusing on trying to pump up the tire of your car when the car is on fire fix the fire and then start optimizing <laughs> And that's, uh, it still sticks within my mind because it's so true. You know, why start optimizing if you're not there yet? And it, yeah. the fact that there is YouTubers like MrBeast, for example, like have 50 million views on a video. If you get 20,000 views or even 100,000 views, that means that there's something bigger wrong with your video than just some tags on the side or, or your titles or even... You know, let's go deeper, even as simple as like, oh, let's just have a short intro that will fix my entire video, you know, and I, I've said it as well. And I think, you know, um, like it's it's a known thing, like keep your intro short. But the thing is like this, if that was as simple as it was, everybody would get 50 million views. But that's it's a lot more complex than that. And it's this what I think is as well. If I, I try to improve content, I'm like, OK, this advisor that I'm giving, is this going to change it? That is going to double or triple the amount of views, if not most likely it's not good it's not the best advice that i could give because then i'm just teaching tricks and you know i don't teach tricks you know yes I, obviously i there's some tricks and i have friends that i'm like ah I'd use this little trick why not you know uh, tricks are cool <laughs> they're fun they're like they satisfy you very well but in the end if you really are serious about it you need to change big things if you see that uh, one creator for example he's in a game and it's a kind of a niche game guess 100 to 200k k views as well that for some reason that seems to be the place where people start struggling like 100 200k views and the thing is like this in his case it's simple he has he has reached almost all of the audience that he could potentially reach with that game you know like every single person that plays that game knows about this person <laughs> but it's it's the maximum so for him he needs to think about the big picture okay how can i transition from this into something bigger uh yeah. like you know take the next level or something and that's a big change and you know, we could optimize a little bit, but that's not going to take them to the next level. And that's that's actually what you always want to think about as a creator is what actually going to bring me to the next level rather than just get me 10,000 more views. Because that's, mm -hmm. you can't do that for, you can't do that for every video. You're going to get burned out. I know we're running short on time here and um, we've got to wrap up soon, but I, you know, there's so much advice out there that creators get. And I think they find it sometimes overwhelming because you get some very reputable people say, you know, what seem to be very logical things and then someone else will say something very different and you know you've got to realize like you know like you said every channel is different there's a certain threshold for different audiences and, and, it, and it can be very nuanced um there are some fundamentals which you've obviously outlined today but has there been something that someone has said that you're just like this is just wrong advice or this is like the worst advice i think i think so this is the thing right I'll, I'll give i'll give two focus points here the one is that and I see this a lot on public consultants on YouTube where they focus very much on the search focus type of stuff or they they don't focus on the bigger picture. So when some this is the advice that I give in order to get a good judgment for yourself, right, is look at how they research stuff, you know, see what they did in order to get to this conclusion. Don't just assume that logic is the answer because it's super easy for any smart person to be like, you know, I got this problem. You know, to find a logical reason to connect A with B. But that doesn't mean that the logic is true. So that's why I work with data a lot is because it's not like I sometimes also come up with theories. And then, you know, I look at the data and the data is like, no, Mario, you're so wrong. Like everything that you just thought about is wrong. And that's the thing is like you need to 
you need to really look at where what the data actually says. And so far, I must say, like, I haven't really met too many people that, you know, do that stuff because it takes time. You know, doing research is not easy. And but then, you know, to 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 say something that is completely wrong. I was uh, on Clubhouse, you know, a, a long time ago and they said something about future rate. Right. And uh, again, I'm not going to mention names, but uh, the, the idea, the concept was just that when you that a view only counts after somebody watches the intro and those kind of things. And then they like it, it came down to that. There was a whole like thinking behind this and all this stuff. And I was like, first of all, like, why is this important? Because this doesn't move the needle. Um, and second of all, I was just there was a lot of wrong advice that came with that. And it was just to me, it seemed like and this is the big thing that a lot of public consultants do is they know that quick, quick tricks score views on YouTube because people want those quick tricks to get, you know, quick, quick thousand views or something. But in the end, there is no quick way to get to the top. And, you know, again, I, I know that most of the times when I say that stuff, I, I shoot myself in a food business wise, but <laughs> I could either decide to be real about it and be like, yes, there is no simple quick way to do it to get to the actual top. Like I'd rather say that there is no quick way than to just quickly leverage a few extra clients, have a few extra consulting calls. You got to stay a little true to yourself. And that's something that, to be honest, I would like to see more as well. If there were more consultants that really are hammered down, okay, the truth, um, also give, give credit to those who do the research, connect with those who actually do research and stuff. If there was more of that, then I think the needle would be moved a lot better. Uh, there would be less misinformation. Again, I could, I could say so many things that I'm like, okay, that's completely wrong, you know, but I don't want to call out too many people at once. Uh, I'll take them one at a time. No. <laughs> but we could um, start a new segment. Mario calls out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a you're segment. wrong, and you're wrong. <laughs> no, no. But in general, you know, like, like, hey, I, I can say that I, I taught something before about TikTok before that I was wrong on. But you know, um, like everybody's wrong once in a while. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but there, there is, there's differences between being wrong, admitting it, or like, okay, quickly correcting your mistake. And just preaching it for years. And also, I don't blame them. They need to make business in a way. But as a creator, it's something you want to look for, you know. And what you want to understand is the business idea behind most of these consultants. They have this thing that made them break through. The thing that they were real on, that they were really like, they knew everything about. But then in order to keep their business running, they don't research for more expertise. They just start using logic in order to solve new problems because you come with new problems for them to solve. So being extremely critical is my advice there. And, you know, um, as you guys know, I, I, I'm the first to call somebody out. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like to keep friends around as well, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm not like there, there are I'd rather just tell you like, OK, look for these signs. Ask if you're unsure, ask for the research, you know, even if, if somebody says something publicly, even if I say something publicly, just tell them like, OK, you say this, but. Is this really true? Could you could you provide me insight in your research? Now, I'm not always going to exactly give you the numbers because I don't want to share everything. But at the same time, I can tell you like, okay, you know what? Um, uh, for example, you know, with intros or something, right? Like this is my research tactic and this is the way that I did it. So you have an insight like, oh, he actually did it in the right way. And that way you could call me out on my research methods if I'm wrong rather than the exact little numbers that I used. So, um, you know, 
that that's also thing. And oh, I'll add one last thing. Sorry, this is going. There's a lot of small little it. things. But when people work with small data, one video audience retention is 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 kind of an exception, I would say, because audience retention is is a really great uh, video by video learning type of stuff. But especially when it comes down to CTR or like thumbnail trends, especially, you know, like green background, yellow background, like all of that doesn't really matter that much. Um, <laughs> it is to look at people who do big data research, you know, and I'm not really like I work with somebody who does big data research. So I'm not the biggest on thumbnail research at the moment. It's not my biggest focus point, but look for people who look at thousands of videos and then come up with conclusions. And that really like those numbers hold more truth. Most of the times those numbers say it doesn't matter, which kind of, it's a bummer because it confirms like it doesn't matter because it's easy to pick 10 videos, find something. And then in those 10 videos, it says like, yes, your face needs to be on the right side of the thumbnail. <laughs> while in reality, it actually doesn't matter. And, you know, people say that like wrong piece of advice. Again, people say, oh, we all read from left to right. That's therefore we need the most important piece of information on the left side. There might be some truth to it, but it seems more like, oh, we're just using logic and applying this logic and it seems right, therefore it must be right. Rather than when you when you research it, you notice that it doesn't really matter, you know? And when I say it doesn't really matter, it just it doesn't move the needle forward. So that's what you really want to look for there. Real quick, I wanna I wanna go down the rabbit hole with you, but I do wanna like really like then what is the one thing like really just top level that creators not the mega ones, like the real average Joe creator that we're, we're talking to. I, know, I like. I know Jimmy's a big fan of, of the show, Mr. Beast. Like he tunes in every week. Um, so <laughs> shout out Jimmy. But but for the you know the other creators, like what like what's the one thing like they just go okay, this is going to shift the needle. Like if I care about or think about or do X, what can I what can I do to shift that needle? This is the thing, right? Like. I, I can't say the exact little trick that they can apply, but what I can say is this, focus on your audience retention and focus on like, focus on storytelling, you know, like tell this, tell a story in your video. It doesn't matter if you're educational, if you're tutorial, tell a story, tell a great story. It captivates people. Like if you get good at that, you will move forward. And I'm quite sure that out of a let's like, out of a hundred people that would be like, oh, storytelling, about 99 of them, they're going to be like, oh yeah, sure. Like, this is just some mumbo jumbo, whatever, like, oh, <laughs> be consistent, that type of advice. But legit, like, if you actually go down a rabbit hole, do your research, try to develop an expertise for yourself and understand it properly, you're going to actually move the needle. But again, I'm not here to tell you that you're going to be moving the needle with one hour of research spend spend day in day out unless you just mentioned jimmy right he he breeds youtube like and there's a few youtubers out there that eat breed youtube they can't do anything else that's all they do and that's literally the mindset if you want to be a youtuber you gotta want to live the life of a youtuber you know uh it's the difference between a job and a career a job you go nine to five you're done you know a career you go to sleep with those thoughts in your mind. You know, it's like if you guys call me up at 2 a.m. at night and are like, hey, let's discuss YouTube. I'm like, okay, let me get out of my bed, you know? Because that's <laughs> what you do as a YouTuber if you want to make it. You, every piece of information. So if I say, for, like, learn about storytelling, the first thing you should be doing is, okay, which 
all the books out there. Let me read through all the books. Let me do the research yourself. If I mention audience retention, you should be looking through hundreds of charts right there. Analyze every single chart. Get some learnings out of that. Um, again, it's not it's not tips, but I'm not here to give tips. I'm here to just no, be like, you know what? This is the direction that I would push somebody into. I think that's brilliant. Like implement that, shift the needle. Like that will do that. Go do that. Go do your version of that, right? Like that's the yeah. that's the thing. Like I love that. Um, I want to know where you've gone down this this rabbit hole, and I'm pretty sure storytelling's got a bit to do with it. Yeah. Right. No. So I, I think this is the first time I even mentioned storytelling, um, because um, so the thing is that I started realizing, um, like you know, without without sharing too many learnings, because this this is my this is my little baby, you know, my Ooh. little baby project right now, but. You know, after I developed a better understanding about audience retention already and, you know, after that, uh, like, I got the numbers, I got that sorted, and I started focusing on audience retention, uh, which storytelling is a big part of, but I started recognizing that the way that people talk and stuff, the intonation and, and you know, what are the little elements that really keep somebody intrigued? And I, I started getting there because I saw, you know, like, with the audience retention, we have the part, it's easy to to observe, like, the big trends, Right. But then I'm like, okay, what keeps somebody for two minutes watching rather than for 30 seconds, uh, 30 seconds watching while it's the same segment? So I had these very similar videos. You know, that's that's a great thing about working with some like different creators and completely different fields is that sometimes you see this trend and it's like the exact same thing is happening, even though in this video people seem to tune out and in this video not. So what's the real thing here? So then I started looking into storytelling and stuff and there i must say there like the difficulty here for me is that there's a lot of information that are just written from books or from movies and there's a lot of stuff wrong with that even in the movie industry in the film industry um the tv industry even like there's so much wrong they do very many things wrong even hollywood and stuff you know we see them as the big guys but there's a lot that they do wrong and they don't get it and that's not because i work just with youtube it's just because they don't have the same data as we do. They don't have the same understanding. Some of those theories are like, what, 20 years old or something. They need some updating. And, you know, now with this data, we, we can use some of their learnings, combine it with the data that we know from YouTube, start creating a new understanding. And then, you know, again, uh, tension, for example, I find a very interesting one, you know. So what I do is I look into psychological papers. You know, you, you want to add some neuroscience onto that. You want to understand how the brain functions. Then you want to understand, okay, you know, the editing point of view, the the concept point of view, the bigger picture. And then you want to add some storytelling, you know, what's the difference between, let's say you're chasing me, for example, right? And I'm running in a, in a, from point A to point B, you know, in one video, this keeps the audience, not a single person tunes out. And in the other video, half of the audience is gone. So what's the difference between these two tension scenes? And it's part of the bigger picture the part of the story that's being told you know in one case that chase is important and in the other case that chase is not important so and even like it's not even as a b as like important or not important it's like sometimes within important let's say the scene is important how important is it what impact does it have does it impact the person that is running does it impact the storyline it's it's actually you like like you mentioned it's an actual <laughs> rabbit hole and i find it very fascinating because it's super complex it's so like, even I'm sometimes like, I don't get it. You know, you see something happening and you're like, all of these people are staying. I don't get it because this goes, there's so much wrong with the scene. So why are people still say, staying? And you know, again, 
one of the things that I think is fascinating about audience retention is it's all about plus and minuses, you know? It's not because a lot of people are saying that there's nothing wrong with the scene. We just have to figure out what is the thing that is so good about the scene that makes up for all the things that are wrong about the scene. And that's, that's, that, <laughs> that becomes very complex. But, you know, what I try to do is just if, if I figure out all of the, let's say there's a thousand things that could go wrong, you know, if I know all of the things that are wrong and if the audience stays and I say like, okay, rule number 55 is wrong here. Rule number 103 is wrong here. And I know those things. And then I observe something then I could be like, oh, this seems to outdo those things. So yes, we want to fix those two rules and those two mistakes, but at the same time, whatever is going well here, we want to keep that. So fix the mistakes and be aware of what's going well. And that's, you know, storytelling is a big thing of that. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of like the, the weirdest types of research. I'm, I love, if, if, if I know how to keep kids engaged in a children's book, and there's a, like a really good theory around that. I'll look into those things because <laughs> I, I believe that every single theory, even if I'm against it, you know, even with Hollywood and stuff, there's so much wrong with it, but it works. So there's still stuff that is also right with it. So I take the things that they are doing correct and I try to improve on that one. So by like recently with storytelling, I, I put some time into uh, how to write a good book. And that was, <laughs> you know, I learned a lot from that, even though there was a lot that is not applicable, you know, um, how to write a book and come up with a dragon figure, for example, is not going to help me make a better tutorial about how to review apples, for example. Um, and when I say apples, I mean like a MacBook, not like actual apples. Yep. I mean, it could also be actual <laughs> apples, but, um, so that's pretty much the rabbit hole that I'm down in right now. Um, I think I'll be down in it for quite some time still. Um, and again, um, like after this one, I will be new. I think that's great. You, you know, that's a great place to leave it. I think Mario Juice, thanks for joining us on Creative Generation. Love your guts, mate. You guys, you're awesome. Thank you for having me. Creative Generation, on the mic.